Grab your Bibles, please, and let's hold them high. Let's go before the Lord and let's make this declaration of our faith. After all, it is the Father who speaks by His Spirit. We are simply the vessels. Father, we thank You for this Word. Oh, I'm sorry. Repeat this after me. Father, thank You for this Word. It is the absolute truth, and I believe it. It is Your personal love letter to me, and I receive it. It's the answer to my questions and the answer to the world's issues. Lord, today, my ears are ready to hear your word. My heart is ready to receive your word. And I, by faith, am ready to be a doer of the word, no matter what comes my way. Now let me pray. Father, as we come before you today and approach your word, we pray as always that you would take the words off the pages and inscribe them on our hearts. Lord, we've come today to gather together and worship you because we love you and we love one another and we want to know you more. Each and every person who's here is hungry and thirsty for more. Whether even we realize it or not, we're hungry and thirsty for more. And so I pray right now that I would only say what you would have me say and I would only do what you would have me do, that your name would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you could do this with me, if you could go to the third gospel recorded in the New Testament, you tell me what it is. Third gospel is... Luke, very good. I had the opportunity to share this word downstairs last week with the young people in D2L, and uh, just kind of came alive inside of me as I was meditating last Sunday, and I wanted to share and expound a little bit more. Now, Luke is a very interesting gospel. You know, when we teach the Bible, it's important to understand. I was talking to a young person last week, and he said, you know, Pastor Kurt, I used to be on uh, one chapter a day Bible reading. I read one chapter a day. And, you know, how many of you know, sometimes you have to read more of something in order for it to have an effect and impact on you. And so the young person said, I'm so excited. I've just finished my first full month of Bible reading, and I'm reading multiple chapters a day. I'm, I'm desiring more and more and more because it's getting more and more interesting. And so as we read the scriptures, you know, it helps if you get a good study Bible, it helps to read the prefacing notes so that you know what you're reading. Luke is a very interesting book book because Luke was not only, what do we know about Luke? You tell me some things, you know, he was a physician yet. First thing everybody says, but Luke was also a historian. Yeah, and so what he did in the book of Luke, now he's writing to a guy by the name of Theophilus. You can read that in Luke 1, and you can read it again in Acts. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And so Luke takes the time to carefully put together his gospel. He says, having studied everything about Jesus. So that is why Luke has so many fine details in his book. It's in the book of Luke that we read about Jesus sweating drops of blood. It's in the book of Luke that we get the many of the parables that we have. And so Luke took time to carefully discover what it is that Jesus was saying because he believed it was that vital and that important. So what I want to do is go to chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And we're going to pick up in verse 16. Let me just kind of lay some background for you as we do. Now, many of you have studied the Bible. You've come to Faith Christian Center. Many of you know the scriptures. But, you know, sometimes we read something and we just gloss right over it. And so we're going to go line by line. There are many ways to preach the scripture. And one of the great ways is to go line by line, precept by precept, concept by concept. And we want to do that this morning as we pick up in Luke chapter 4. Uh, We're going to start in 16, but let me lay some background for you. In Luke chapter 4, 
It begins the temptation of Jesus. Who knows the first thing that happened to Jesus as soon as he was baptized in the Jordan River? What's the very next thing that happened? Okay, just before he was taken to the wilderness, what happened? He came out of the water. A God spoke. And what did God say? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And at that point, we see the spirit of God coming and resting upon Jesus. You know, it was, it's interesting because as I was talking to the young people last week, think about it. Now you tell me, where is the very next place Jesus is going after he's been baptized? Where is it? Wilderness, to be tempted and tested. Now those two words are really important because if I was to ask you without looking at your scripture, who drove Jesus out to the wilderness? I don't mean in a car, but who, who forced him to go out to the wilderness without looking at your scripture? The Spirit. Very good. So you know your scripture. Who tested him? No, who tested him? God was putting his spirit to the test, but who tempted him? The devil. Okay, it's so important to see that distinction because God, the very first thing that God is saying to his son before he proves him is you are my beloved son. So regardless of what you're about to go through these next 40 days, you're my son and nothing's going to change that. See, Jesus couldn't reach that place of fulfilling the Father's call on his life unless his spirit and his flesh had been proven. And so God's spirit drove him out to the wilderness so his flesh could be proven, so he would know how to work this flesh. But it's very, very important to understand that it wasn't God who tempted him. James tells us God cannot tempt, but it was the devil who tempted him. And so Jesus now fulfills these 40 days, and the Bible says that after the angels ministered, to him, he is full of the Spirit. And we're about to pick up in chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, if we look over that, we could just say, okay, that's just a, a prefacing passage as we're about to get into the scripture. Somebody tell me one thing you just learned from reading that right there. One thing. Tell me one thing. Brought up in Nazareth, very good. What was this custom? To be in the synagogue. Look at this. And I was telling the young people last week, you know, many of us come to church. I was raised in church. I was one of those people. My parents are first generation Christians. So we spent every night, most of our nights, under the pews in the church. We were raised in church. And you know what? It's a good habit. Jesus had the habit. We could say habit. It says custom. Jesus had the custom of going to the synagogue. And if we build in our lives the habit of going to church, we're giving God an opportunity to work in us and through us. And so it's good to teach our children to have that habit to come to church because even if they don't get it right away, and even if there's a period of rebellion, they have it ingrained inside of them that where we belong on a Sunday morning or the day of worship is in the house of God. And when we do that, we're making room for God to speak to us and to speak through us. Yes, he can do it privately, and he wants to minister to us privately, but he also has some things for us corporately that if we don't get together, we're going to miss you know, Hebrews tells us that don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves, but share the love of God. Let's keep reading here. Verse 17. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Everyone say Isaiah. Isaiah. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. I want you to catch that. He found the place. Now, you and I, we're reading in one of three ways this morning. We're either reading a paper Bible, we're reading on a tablet, or we're reading on a smartphone. Jesus read from a scroll in the synagogue. They read from a scroll. They did not have chapters, and they did not have verses. And yet, I want you to look. And when he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, it says right here, that he opened it and found the place where it is written. And this is what we're going to focus on this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now I, ju- I want you to jump back with me about 2,000 years, because you know we're so... We're so cultured, we're so uh, Americanized, and, and we're so, you know, civilized. And so I want you to jump back about 2,000 years. I want you to act like you're a Jew who's waiting for a Messiah. I want you to think about you having the practice of going to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I want you to think about the time in the world when Roman Empire is not only destroying, but, but engulfing its entire, every nation in itself, bringing it in. These people are oppressed. These people are wounded. These people have no hope. And Jesus shows up on the scene, somebody whom they've seen before. They think, oh, that's just Joseph's son. That's just the workman's son. Somebody they've seen before, and he begins to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, with that in mind, let's read it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Two things we see from that first passage right there is we know the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. And none of us here being at Faith Christian Center would argue that. But the next thing we see in the passage is it says that he came to preach the good news or original text might say glad tidings. And if I was to ask you what is the good news, what would you tell me? The gospel. What's the gospel? Christ has come to save us. Freedom from death. Good. God loves you. What else? What's that? Righteousness for sins. So he's come to preach glad tidings or good news to the poor. Now, see, if we're not careful, we all overlook that and we take it for granted because we think, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not poor, so yes, Jesus came to preach good news to the poor because the poor have no hope. No, actually what Jesus was saying was anyone at that time had no hope. Everyone at that time spiritually was base in poverty. Nobody had a hope. And so Jesus said, I came to preach good news that there is hope, there is a way, there is forgiveness for your sins, there is hope. It's not just poverty in the material sense, in the monetary sense. He's saying that all of us 
are impoverished spiritually. And I want you to think about where you were before you got saved and where you were and what happened. What was your life like? Many of you, maybe you were on that bed of suicide. Many of you thought there's no hope for tomorrow. I'm not even going to take that next step. I don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. But then all of a sudden, something happened when Christ found you. See, we were poor spiritually. And he's telling them, I came to proclaim the good news, to preach the gospel to the poor. And no one's going to argue with that. He came to bring good news to the poor. But I want you to locate yourself this morning. Because each and every one of us, we can just quickly, you know, glaze over that and say, yes, you know, when somebody finds Jesus, you know, he makes them rich even though they're poor. No, without Christ, we are absolutely base level impoverished spiritually there's no hope of getting to god and that's why the cross is so important see today we're talking about not stopping at the cross don't stop at the cross but the course the cross is absolutely important because it is the pathway to god it's the good news that there is forgiveness of sins let's keep reading here he came to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So I want to talk this morning because if I was to survey the room, I'm sure a number of you would say, I am born again. I am spirit filled. I'm a Christian. But where's your heart? What's going on in your life? Are you depressed? Are you worn out? Are you waiting for the world to end? Is there brokenness inside of you? Because see, many of us were content to be forgiven of our sin. We were content. We're happy that Jesus came to preach good news. We can be forgiven. Yes, I don't have to go to hell. Yes, there's a place for me in my father's house. But all of a sudden, we begin to forget that there's more. There's more. Jesus didn't come just to preach the good news. The good news is the pathway to the abundant life that he has for us. Jesus said the thief only comes for three reasons, to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I've come that they may have life and life abundant. The cross, you've got to look at it like a bridge. The Billy Graham Association did this years ago. They drew a picture about on one side uh, is, is man and on the other side is God. And there's a great gulf in between. And the only thing that lets us walk from this side to that side to God is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the beginning of our relationship with God. But you know what? There are so many Christians who are depressed. Come on now, let's just be real. We're living in this life and there's so many things going on. We've received forgiveness of sins. Our home is in heaven. But we're suffering here on this earth. Jesus said, I came to preach good news to the poor. But I also came to heal the brokenhearted. He's not even talking about physical healing yet. That word means to be so crushed. To be crushed. I came to heal the brokenhearted. And so you may be in this room right now, and you may have been forgiven of your sin, but if God was to peel back the deep layers of your life that you have covered over, there's brokenness inside. There's brokenness. And we think that we have to come... I've been forgiven. No, you know, everything's good now. I can't. But there's still brokenness. And we're so afraid to show our brokenness. And and Jesus says, but I came to heal that. The people who saw Jesus face to face, they didn't care. The lepers weren't supposed to be out of their spot. They were supposed to cry unclean. And they didn't care. They booked it. They ran to him. But we're so afraid. We won't run to him with our mess. But how is it that we haven't already been forgiven from sin, 
He's already done the greatest work He could possibly do. He's already done the greatest work He could possibly do. How much more now will He show us that love? How much more now? He came to heal the brokenhearted. You see, this is so heavy on my heart, and I'm going to tell you why. Several years ago, there's a very famous, internationally known pastor, and his son takes his own life. Just a few months ago, a young pastor, 35 years old, takes his own life. How is it possible? How is it possible that the people who are born and raised in church and have been forgiven of our sin, that we live with brokenness inside? How is that possible? It's because we have not let Jesus do his complete work inside of us. It's not just the forgiveness of sins. The cross is just the pathway. It's the very first step into the abundant life. And so if God's going to have all of, you, all of you and all of me, we're going to have to let him peel back those ugly layers. We're going to have to do it. And guess what? It's not pretty. It's not pretty to him, and it's not pretty in front of each other. I don't want you to see the week I had in my house, because I'm not perfect. But you know what? It's probably one of the best things I could do. One of the best things that we could do is share our brokenness with one another so that the healing process can begin. For some reason, for some reason, we have adopted the belief that once we're forgiven and cleansed, we all of a sudden have to act like there's nothing else being done to us. There's no other surgery taking place. Surgery is going on all day long. We are constantly on the operating table of the Lord Jesus Christ. Constantly. And see, it's our brokenness that He came to heal. Man, my heart is breaking for this generation. The millennials. There are more millennials taking their own life. Depression is on the rise. Why? Do you know we got Christians who are depressed? How could this be possible? Could it be because we've been content, not, not willingly and knowingly, but we've been content just, just to be forgiven of our sin? And Jesus is saying, you're my son and you're my daughter. The forgiveness of sins was just the bridge between you and me. Come into the abundant life here and now. Here and now. There's lots of new research out there. And they're, uh, they're studying depression all over the nation. <laughs> One interesting fact... I was looking this up last night. One interesting fact is while depression is on the rise in most states in the United States, uh, it's been on an increase since the years uh, early of 2000s, there is one place that has the least amount of depression, and it hasn't risen only by 2%, and that's Hawaii. So we all need to pack up and go to Hawaii. That's what I decided. When I looked at that, I said, that's it. We're in the wrong climate. We need to go to Hawaii. So that's where we ought to be. Maybe Hawaii is God's land. Maybe that's where he is. But we need, maybe we just need that Hawaiian mentality. Melikalikimaka, huh? <laughs> maybe we need the Hawaiian mentality right here in frigid, cold southern New England when it rains and when it freezes rain. It's interesting. I mean, it's a perfect time of year to talk about brokenheartedness and depression and oppression because it increases this time of year. And it's so important. You know, sometimes we... we, we uh, 
Sometimes we can just beat people with the word, and I look at Jesus and I see that he never did that. He never did that because he wasn't afraid of what that person brought to them. There was this, this uh, leper that came and cried out before Jesus and said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He said, I will. I, I, there's no question. I will. The, the, the prostitute who is caught in the act of adultery, they drag her before Jesus. Jesus lets them all walk away. He says, I'm not holding anything against you either. Go and sin no more. The, the Samaritan woman who if we don't really understand Samaritans, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense to us, but she calls herself a dog in the presence of the Lord, which we all would be in the presence of the Lord, but she makes herself of no value. And he wasn't afraid of that. And he gave her what she needed. Guys, I feel sometimes we're a little bit scared to come before the Lord and tell him and show him our brokenness as if he's surprised already. As if he's surprised. Somewhere along the way, we thought we had to have it all together when we come to him and when we come before one another. And I want to tell you something. We are robbing each other. We are robbing ourselves of the healing power that God has for us. Because the scripture tells us that we are to love one another. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. The next thing that we see here in the scripture is he came to proclaim liberty to the captives. Again, if we just kind of glaze over it, we say, yeah, Jesus came to set the captives free. That's how we, our minds inter- interpret it. Jesus came to set the captive free. Nobody in this room would argue that. But here's what the scripture really says. Look at it. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Guess what? The moment you were born again, you were already free. You're already free. Everything you need from God is already done. The process is just beginning. And Jesus came to proclaim Liberty to the captives. The visual in my mind is when I was born again, I was in it. But just before I was born again, I was in a jail cell. I was stuck there. There's nowhere that I can go. Okay. But Jesus came and unlocked the jail cell and said, I've made a way for you to come. But here's most of us. We've been in jail so long. We don't move, even though the door's been open. We just... We're not totally sure that that might be a facade. That, that, I'm not sure. Is that door really open? So Jesus has to come in and tell us, you're free! Proclaim liberty to the captives. He has to tell us, you're free! That's why we've been given this word. All the freedom we need is right in here. Everything that we need. You're free. You're free. You're free from addiction. You're free from oppression. You're free from depression. You're free. So many of us are sitting inside of the jail cell. Maybe we're not brokenhearted. Maybe we're not depressed. But maybe, maybe we're captive to certain vices that we hide that nobody sees. That if people were to come to our house on a certain day or a certain time, we'd be appalled. We'd never show our face in church again because we're not worthy. The things we say, the things we do, the things we take into us, we, those are the secrets. We're in bondage to them. They are having captivity power over us. They're having captive power over us. And Jesus is telling us, you're free. You're free. Walk away. You're free. The the problem is we struggle because we've been a slave to it so long. Romans 6 tells us whatever we present ourselves slaves to, we're going to be slaves. We're going to obey that. And so we have to get to that place where we don't just thank the Lord that he forgives us from our sin, 
But we daily come back to him. Lord, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Man, there were times that I had some major struggles in my life as a young man. And you know, I would, I would be experiencing that, that pressure. You know what I mean? Like your heart starts racing. You know what I'm talking about? You're, you know that you're in this fight. It's a Roman 7 fight. You're about to do what you don't want to do. And you don't know what to do about it. But man, there were times I would just run like Joseph ran. The scripture says when Potiphar's wife, you know, finally tried to grab his robe, he ran. Sometimes you just got to run. And when you run, you got to run right to God. God, I don't understand. I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard to fight this and I don't understand. And God can work with that addiction. God can peel off those layers. And you know, we're, we, 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 get so, uh, we get so arrogant sometimes. We think that the little things of our lives aren't addictions. What are we really held captive to? What is, what is keeping us bound in our lives that we can't move forward into the freedom that Christ has for us? He's constantly standing at the door telling, you us, telling us we're free. We're free. You're free. Just, just walk right out of the cell. You're free. Just take that first step. He's proclaiming liberty to the captives. The next thing I want you to see here. It's a part of the same sentence. I want you to read it carefully. To proclaim liberty to the captives. There's no comma. And... Recovery of sight to the blind. See, most of us just think, yeah, Jesus came to recover the sight of the blind. He came to literally heal the blind. In one of Jesus' miracles, many of the times he would heal the blind. That, that makes perfect sense. But you know, there's something deeper here. I believe it's also physically exactly what we're talking about, but there's something deeper here. There's a spiritual blindness. L- look at the word here. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery, that, that word recovery is, is not just there for any reason. To recover, you tell me, what does it mean to recover? To get back. To get back. Oh, that means we once had it. Yes. In Adam, we once were perfectly united with God. But spiritual blindness began to set in through sin. And so Jesus came to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. Where once you couldn't see and experience the spiritual, now through Christ, through the bridge of the cross, we can now experience unity with God and see the supernatural in our lives. I think about being a young person and thinking about so many things in my life just being coincidental. Only as I got older did I realize that that was God working on my behalf, whether through angels or whether through His Holy Spirit. See, our spirit needs to be recovered. And what Jesus did was He came to preach that there's good news. You don't have to stay hopeless and helpless. You don't have to stay stuck in your sin. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Are you depressed this morning? Is your heart completely crushed because of the pains of this world? He came to proclaim claim freedom to those who need freedom and he came to proclaim your sight has been restored your spiritual sight you are once again open your eyes spiritually you are once again seated with christ in heavenly places there is nothing like paul says that could ever separate us from the love of god open your eyes he's saying open your eyes your spiritual life has been recovered And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Man, Luke is using some very particular words here. Some very specific words. You tell me again, what is liberty? It means freedom. Good job, everyone. Uh, And and what is oppression? What's the visual that comes into your head when you think of oppression? Pressed down. Good. Yeah, that's it right there, Kim. Pressed down. Kim, you said it. To be held back. 
The visual is constantly being held back. He came. He came to proclaim liberty to the oppressed. One day when I was a young Christian, young boy actually, probably about eight or nine years old, I, I was, even then, I was struggling uh, with, with so many sins, you know, so many different things, that, you know, whether it was anger, all these different things. And this visual popped into my head. I said, Lord, every time I take a step forward, I feel like there's something that keeps pulling me back. And the visual I had was, in my head was my, my hands were chained. And the enemy still had control. And I'm, and I'm trying. And I'm trying. And I'm trying. See, so many of us, we know all the gospel. We know the whole message. But we're not letting Jesus do the work. We're not, we're not laying ourselves bare on the operating table of Jesus and letting him do the work. We're constantly trying to fix ourselves. We're constantly trying to make ourselves better. Instead of going before God and be like, Lord, I am absolutely the worst person that could exist right now, even though you saved me. I need you. Yes, I know I'm not a sinner anymore. And I'm not. But I've still got some things I'm working through. And I need your help right now. Jesus came to proclaim liberty and freedom to those who are oppressed. And my thinking is, if Christians can be depressed, if Christians can take their own lives, then there must be a work that Jesus has yet to do that we're not letting him do. We're content with being forgiven of our sins. We've stopped at the cross. And we're okay, subtly, with our home being in heaven And Jesus has so much more for us. See, how can I, as a truly broken person, heal somebody else? See, my brokenness is only going to hurt somebody else. And so if I don't go to Jesus and allow him to heal that, I'm going to hurt the people I love the most. Because all of us can save face and show face on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night. But it's in the deep and the inner workings of our life. And it doesn't mean we're not saved. This is a very, very important distinction. It just means there's a work that needs to continue. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. All of us without Christ are poor. He came to heal the brokenness of our lives. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He came to set at liberty. Here's the action to break free those who are oppressed. And now here's the best part. He came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There's a very interesting passage, and when you read it back in in Isaiah 61, it kind of gives it more clarity. But God says, in a favorable time, I will come to you. In a favorable time. And so what Jesus is saying is the time of favor is here. The time of favor is now. And I know in our Western culture, we we have to kind of of unconnect ourselves sometimes because I'm going to tell you the truth. Too much of the gospel message of Jesus has been mingled in with the American dream. I'm just going to tell you flat out. Too much of the gospel message is all about what Jesus is going to do for us to make us have everything we need up here. That, that, That doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. None of that matters. Whether you're poor on this earth or whether you're rich on this earth, it doesn't matter. Where are you spiritually? Yes, Jesus can take you up from the depths and bring you up high. But we've got so much of the gospel message mingled in with all of these desires, their earthly, physical desires, that they're all going to fade away. What is he saying here? 
the year of the Lord's favor. Listen, we are living in a time of grace. We are living in a time of the Lord's favor. Now is the acceptable time. Now is a time of grace. What we may not realize is we are smack dab in the middle of something amazing that God is doing. It's called the time of the Gentiles. That's where you and I are. And unless anyone in this room is Jewish, and you may in fact be, none of us would be saved right now if we were not in this time of the Gentiles. We are in a time of God's grace so that the whole world might be saved. That's where we are. It's an acceptable time. God said, this is the time that I'm going to send my son. This is the time that I'm going to break the bondage. This is the time I'm going to make room for everyone to be restored, to come back to the kingdom so nobody has to be lost. See, we look up and we say, Jesus, why are you taking so long? I thought you were coming back. And some of us will say, well, you know, I've heard that my whole life. It's not going to happen anymore. But Peter says, God is not slack as some would measure slackness, but God is long-suffering, not willing that any should should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And see, the time is, is, it's not just about God's favor on us. It's an acceptable time of God's grace. And so while that grace abounds, we need to preach the good news. Jesus can do all these things in our life, and we need Jesus to do all these things in our life, and we need to then give it to the people that we see. We need to give them the healing that we received from Jesus, okay? We can do it. We need to give them the gospel that we received at church. We need to give them the sins forgiven, like Jesus said. I find it so interesting that the paralyzed man that was brought to Jesus, the first thing he said to him, he didn't, he didn't tell him to get up and walk. All these people Jesus healed. All these people, thousands of people are showing up at this person's house. You know the story. They bring the paralyzed man, they rip off the person's roof, and they lower the man down. And Jesus says, so great is your faith. Man, this is awesome. I've never seen faith like this before. But he doesn't tell the man to get up and walk yet. He said, your sins are forgiven you. The forgiveness of sin is the pathway to the abundant life that God has for us. And so many of us are stopping at the cross. We're just stopping right at the forgiveness of sins. And it's good because we're so happy. We're so blessed. We're so privileged to be forgiven of our sin. But we're suffering. Many are suffering. Many are suffering. I'm not talking about people in the world. I'm talking about the church. Many Christians are suffering because they haven't let Jesus do the complete work. And I believe that as we approach this Christmas season, that Jesus has a complete work he wants to do in us and through us. In us and through us. And so I want you to locate yourself this morning. I want you to ask yourself where you are. Where you are in this whole mix of things. Maybe your sins have been forgiven or, or maybe, maybe you haven't received that. Maybe you've been on the fringe. And you've sat in here for a while, and it didn't sound like we had anyone new. So you've sat here for a while, but maybe you've been born again, but you're really depressed. You're really, really brokenhearted. You're crushed by the issues of this life. Well, I want you to know today that you can come to Jesus. I know that sounds so cliche, but I'll tell you what, you can come to Jesus. And just like he forgave your sin, he'll heal your broken heart. Scripture tells us in the Psalms that he's near to the brokenhearted, and his ear is attentive to their cry. God is not far from us. He's not far from us. Or maybe you're stuck in bondage. Just being real, maybe you're stuck in bondage. Maybe there's some addiction. Maybe there's some vice like we call them. Something that you can't break, something you can't get past. It keeps you in this vicious cycle. And nobody knows because you're able to cover it up. Nobody knows. I want you to know today Jesus can stop that cycle. 
absolutely, positively, hands down, 100%, Jesus can stop the cycle. Because see, where once I was blind, now I see. Where once I was a sinner, now I have been saved by grace. See, we can be redeemed in every area of our life because God has wholeness for us. Wholeness. Wholeness. The Bible describes it as shalom. We say that's just peace. It's not just peace. It's complete soundness and wholeness in everything. Wholeness. God has wholeness for us. And I'll tell you what. If you'd be willing to lay yourself out bare before the operating table of Jesus and just allow him, allow him to do the surgery that he needs to do, he will heal. And although it's painful, although it's painful, we'll be healed in the end. We need to go through the process. You know, nothing that we have been given is for us alone. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. And so this message that we receive and this message that we keep inside of ourselves, it should be bursting out of us. You know, as I walk down the street, uh, my family and I recently got a dog. And so, you know, it's my responsibility every morning and every evening to walk the dog. That's what I signed up for. Um, I walk the dog very early in the morning and sometimes very late at night. And so as I'm walking down the street, I'm, I'm seeing all these people. I'm, I'm interacting with all these people. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I, I just, it almost jumps out of me sometimes. I want to tell them so bad about Jesus. I want them to know so much because I see their brokenness. I heard this one dad, you know, cursing at his son, using some of the worst, cursing at his child, using some of the worst curse words you could possibly use. I thought, man, I need to give this guy what I have. I need to give him Jesus. Is my life perfect? Absolutely not. But we need to always be ready, as Peter says, always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in us. And so we don't have this just to keep to ourselves. It's got to be something that's bursting out of us all the time. And you know what? If it's not, we can pray for for that today. We can pray that God would stoke that fire inside of you. Think back to when you first got saved. I always think about that. Go back to when we first got saved and gave our lives to the Lord. We couldn't help but talk to people. We couldn't help but share the good news. Guess what? The good news is still good news and it still works and Jesus still forgives and he still heals and he still delivers and he still sets us free. And all of that is available to us today, but also for the people out there in the world. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word right now. And as we come to the end of this season of Thanksgiving and we, we've, we've expressed gratitude to you for all that you have shown us and done for us, we just come now and lay our hearts open to you in this time of prayer. And I just want to spend a couple minutes. I want you to have some alone time with the Lord in just a minute here. But Lord, as, as we come before you today, first of all, I thank you for the word that is taking root inside of each and every one of our hearts. And I pray in the name of Jesus um, that we would just begin to experience your forgiveness, your healing power, and your deliverance right now in this room. Lord, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know every single individual in this room right now. And so I just ask in the name of Jesus, just begin to work on our hearts. Show us those secret areas that we're not surrendering to you. Help us. Help us, Lord, right now, right now, in the name of Jesus. Help us. Lead us by your spirit right now. I'm just going to give you some quiet time with the Lord. Just to be open to him. Whatever it is he wants to show you, whatever area of his life, your life that he wants to step into.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. forgiveness. Let us see your forgiveness. Show that healing power, Lord. Yes, Lord. Recovery of sight to the blind. Freedom for the captives, Lord. you're here today, as we continue to pray and all the believers in the house pray or pray in the Spirit if you're filled with the Spirit. You know, Pastor John's been teaching us this is the most important, most critical time of our service, and so if you could just be praying right now. I want to ask you a question. While today's message was don't stop at the cross, life begins at the cross. And maybe you have never before surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you have never taken that first step to come to the cross. So let me tell you, my friend, the cross is the bridge that connects us to God. It's the only way. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. There's no other religion out there. See, the one thing about religion is that religion always works from the outside in. It tries to make us better by doing certain things. It'll never work. We'll never be good enough. But God did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He gave us the forgiveness of sins, and the freedom of life through Jesus Christ's suffering on the cross. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus and let him be Lord of my life, 